When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Thursday, September 10th. We are four freaking days away from Chicago Bears football, and I want to welcome you to our first preview show of the season, and I promise you're going to be ready for kickoff by the time it's all said and over with. I'm Eros Wildewitt. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And Nick, it's finally here. We actually get to talk about a game. We met the Lions earlier this week, but now it's time for us to actually preview an opponent preview an upcoming Chicago Bears game for the first time since really, I think, what, last December was the last time we did a preview show. So it's been some time. I'm ready to go. How about yourself, man? Yeah, I'm pumped, Will. I mean, like you said, first time in a very long time. Start off the NFL season. Obviously, there's football tonight, but yeah, I'm ready to talk some Bears football. All right, so here's a rundown of our weekly preview. That way you know what to expect We'll open things off with our general thoughts and overview of our Week 1 opponent, the Detroit Lions. We'll take a deep dive and discuss the major talking points in all three phases for the Chicago Bears. Along the way, we'll share our X-Factors on each side of the ball, who has the edge between these two teams, and much more. On top of that, we'll discuss our weekly game plan as we share our strategy on how the Bears can win this game And we'll wrap up the show by sharing our weekly predictions, including our game picks that are actually going to have some higher stakes this season. Nick, obviously we have a pretty full schedule here. I'm excited to begin our first game preview of 2020. It's been a long season. Feels like yesterday we were just at the Combine, but here we are talking about a real football game. Are you ready to just dive in and rock and roll? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, so let's go ahead and just start with that initial perception of the Detroit Lions. My thought, really, to generalize it, is this is a team, they only won three games a year ago, and I think the Bears, though, I think they would be fools if they take them lightly. Stafford, he's a playmaker at quarterback. He also has playmakers that can be dangerous. That's my biggest concern heading into this game, especially going up against a Bears secondary that has 40% new faces on it with Jalen Johnson and Tashawn Gibson. On defense, Detroit... Uh, As much as they struggled last year, they should be, and I'll put quotes, better overall. Uh, The question, though, is how much? Uh, Obviously, their pass rush last year, the lack of it led to all their struggles. Um, But I don't know too much more about the Lions other than that. Well, I do, but if I'm generalizing, defense, I don't know if I should be worried or not. Offensively, I'm worried about their passing attack. Running game, I still have no idea what to expect from them. 
And that's just kind of my overall thoughts on the Lions heading into this preview before we dive in a little bit deeper. Nick, how about yourself? Yeah, so I think I'll just say what I think a lot of people think of the Lions. They're the Lions, right? That's like the initial perception that you get when you think of Detroit and their football team. They just haven't had a lot of success as of late or really lately when it comes to winning games and being actually competitive. Yes, they were good with Matthew Stafford for those eight games. They Look, they could score. I think everyone knows that. They have a good offense, but that defense has a lot of question marks and That was just like the initial perception I had of them until Detroit does something to essentially prove me wrong or prove people that have this perception of them wrong. That's what I'm going to think of them. Obviously, we've met the, you know, Detroit Lions with our great guests earlier in the week, and we also have done our homework a little bit more about them. But that is just what I think about when I hear or think about the Detroit Lions. Totally understood and agreed. So let's go ahead. And jump into our next segment here. We'll look at each side of the ball, talk some of the major talking points about this week. And let's start with the Chicago Bears offense. And this week, let's begin with that Bears running game. Because even though all offseason, the talk's been about the Bears quarterback situation, there are some question marks running the Bears rushing attack. Obviously, last year, the Bears offense was the sixth worst rushing offense a year ago. And with the talent, whether it's the backfield or on the offensive line, it's basically the same. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. The only real difference is right guard Jermaine Effetti being the only newcomer. That, and of course, coaching-wise, offensive line coach Juan Castillo. So, Nick, obviously David Montgomery, he was limited yesterday, which was Wednesday. Today on Thursday, he practiced in full. So he's trending like he's going to be playing this week. And I know when we were preparing this talking segment, we were anticipating having to discuss the difference with or without David Montgomery. At this rate, I feel like he's going to play. The bigger question perhaps is how much and how the Bears may limit his overall role, but I do expect to see him on Sunday. Do you expect to see the same, and just how big of a role would you envision him having? Is he going to be 100%, or do you expect it to be scaled back? Because if I were the Bears, I wouldn't say, yeah, you're the three down back, you're good to go, get out there. I would probably put him on a pitch count, see how his body reacts to some of this live contact. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how the Bears approach this because this is just game one, and there's obviously 15 more after this that the Bears need David Montgomery to be healthy. So I don't know how much that affects the game plan because I think regardless of David Montgomery, if he was a go or not this weekend, sounds like he's going to be able to play. It seems like the Bears, as of what we're hearing from multiple players, coaches, there's going to be more of an emphasis to run the football, regardless of who the quarterback or the the, the running back is. So I think that maybe does this change the game plan a little bit? Maybe. But I, I just feel like there's more of an emphasis there. And You look at in the Bears' wins last season, only eight of them, right? Montgomery averaged 17.6, 17 rushing attempts per game. So is that the number that the Bears want to try and get to just from an individual player, but collectively a little bit more than that? I think that's what maybe the Bears need to do this this season 
to maybe have some more success on offense because if you're just having Mitchell Trubisky dropping back all the time, throwing, I don't think that's going to equate to success. I think we're going to see that new running style offense that we heard so much about with Juan Castillo. But to answer your question, does it change the game plan? I don't know, Will. I think the Bears just, they want to establish some kind of run and they're going to do it with whoever they have back there. Right. I don't know if it would change the plays that they're calling or anything of that nature. I think, of course, with Tariq Cohen, you try to get him to the outside a little bit more, even though we have seen success with him running between the tackles. But in order for that to succeed, you really need some solid blocking from that interior offensive line, getting good push, reaching the second level to give, well, any back, but in this case, Cohen, some wiggle room because if he gets contacted in the backfield, it's not his forte to break those tackles and move forward. Uh, My next question for you here, Nick, would be about the other backs. I know Cordero Patterson, the Bears are listing him at wide receiver. All the Bears beat writers throughout all campus said he was pretty much just working with the running backs. And of course, Ryan All, you said it, he was going to make this team and he's here. What kind of role or how much of a role do you expect those two to play this week? Or is it something, are you like me? I'm literally in wait and see mode because I have no idea, no clue what the Bears are going to do. And I'd be probably wasting everyone's time. I was trying to guess because I don't think you know, I don't think I know. I don't think the reporters at camp will know. And honestly, it's Thursday. Matt Nagy has a lot of time to change his mind uh, between now and kickoff, too. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how he implements all these guys. Like Cordero Patterson, like when he has a fullback in the backfield with him, he has more success gaining positive yardage. And we know that there is a J.P. Holtz on his team. We just mentioned Ryan Nall, who can also play that H-back position. Maybe that influences what Matt Nagy wants to do with a maybe a David Montgomery, a Tree Cohen, or a Cordell Patterson when they're the single back uh, in the backfield. So I think it is up in the air until we see it on Sunday. What will that offense really look like? Will they do more 21 personnel and just have two backs uh, in shotgun right next to Mitchell Trubisky? And then we see what happens there. Jet sweeps of Cordell Patterson have worked when he was with New England, not so much here in Chicago. But that's something that I would like to see the Bears at least experiment with to test those edge defenders for the Lions. So it's a toss-up as of right now, Will. We're just going to have to wait and see exactly what Matt Nagy's been scheming and what he's game planning for and just, yeah, just wait and see mode with these Bears running backs. Third and one, who are you giving it to this week? Ooh, man. I mean, look, ideally it would be a David Montgomery, but – Obviously, we know the groin injury. We don't know how many snaps he's going to have this game. But if you're going third and one, Ryan Null's a pretty big guy, Will. That's a lot to ask for. It really is. And we've seen Cordell Patterson in short short situations. (laughs) It's not something that looks, again, offensive line didn't help him out. But maybe it's Ryan Null getting that, that carry on a third and short situation. Is he lined up at fullback or running back in that situation? You know, why not go into a fullback, quick little handoff, Detroit's not expecting it, pick up just one yard. That's that's an area, maybe a topic for a whole other podcast. The Bears need to improve on those short yard situations. Yeah, no, absolutely. Detroit, though, last year, they ranked 21st against the run in terms of yards allowed. And another area that they struggle against running backs were allowing them to be pretty productive receivers. They allowed eight backs last year to have 40-plus yards receiving against them. And so maybe it will be a good day. I mean, Tariq Cohen's had success against the Lions in the past. If David Montgomery is healthy enough, getting him involved in a passing game as well. And uh, they have a linebacker, you know, Jared Davis. Not so good in coverage, and I'm sure we'll talk that name will pop up again as well as someone that you can exploit 
on this defense. And if you can get a back on him, I think that would be another good mismatch for the Bears. But, Nick, let's move on to our second offensive point here, and let's transition our focus to those Chicago Bears wide receivers. Uh, you have Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller. They're the most known, most productive here has been in Chicago. And I think, I've, obviously, we have a pretty clear understanding how they're going to be used. And I know that you were talking to me before we went live about Miller and the slot uh, having a pretty strong matchup and how that can influence the game plan. Do you want to go ahead and share that with our listeners? Yeah, so when we think about Anthony Miller where he had success last season, I think the one game that people probably point to is that second game against Detroit where he absolutely lit up the Detroit Lions. And you look in coverage, who's that guy? It is Justin Coleman, and he was the NFL's second most targeted slot corner in 2019, giving up eight touchdowns to just one interception. But we know that Anthony Miller is a guy that can create separation like the best of them, but he's never had a hot start to a season. Always comes maybe mid-season or towards the end. This is a perfect matchup, Will. If you're looking to exploit Coleman, who has not had success against Anthony Miller, this would be the game to do it. Look, you look at maybe the first matchup. Miller didn't didn't do as well. Only one reception, seven yards. But then that second week, it's nine receptions for 140. So there's a clear day, night and day difference there. But I think Miller, who in Matt Nagy's only praised in camp so far when he was able to practice, that he's ready to have a big season. Mike Fury, I think, is expecting that. Wide receivers coach for the Bears. So this is a matchup. If the Bears can get this one in the, in the slot, it opens a lot of things, I think, for this Bears offense. Agreed, and I wouldn't even discount Allen Robinson getting some good looks in the slot, too. 40% of his snaps came lined up in the slot a year ago, and that's a big mismatch anytime you do. And we talked about this earlier in the offseason, though, and when I was watching Allen Robinson on third down, especially, he was working that slot, and it was very productive. It was a good way to give him some extra space to work with, some extra retail room. Exposes defense both in zone because he has a really great tendency of reading that coverage, finding the soft spot, presenting himself to the quarterback. And then, of course, Allen Robinson, if he's going up against a nickel corner, he can he, heck, he can beat other teams starting number one corner. So if you can get him on someone a little less talented, it's a, another strong opportunity for the Bears on this offense. So both Miller as well as Allen Robinson, when they're in the slot, uh, will be interesting to watch. And we saw some other guys, Nick, that I'm in wait-and-see mode. Ted again Jr., Darnell Mooney, Javon Wims, Riley Ridley. There's so many names here. And, again, how big their roles, it, even if they're smaller this week, they can evolve. But I'm curious, how much do you expect some of these guys to get involved this week? We're talking about the running backs getting touches to, you know, divvied up. Do you expect the same with these receivers, or do you expect it to run through Miller run through Robinson and just have Ginn Jr., Mooney, Wims, Ridley be true supplemental pieces. You know, that could be the case, but when you look at what maybe the Detroit Lions pass rush is bringing, maybe Matt Nagy's thinking the best way to beat this team is through the air because we they know they're going to have time to throw. You know, this is, is a, um, I wouldn't say it's a new offensive line. There's really one new guy there, right, Jermaine Fetty, but... Matt, uh, Mitchell Trubisky has had success against the Detroit Lions. That's just that's just fact. And if they think the best case scenario for the Bears to get a victory is to pass all over them, even with some of those guys that you mentioned, Ted Ginn Jr., who is listed as technically, I guess, the number three guy, even though he would be the opposite starting Z receiver for the Bears, 
to open it up downfield against some guys that maybe are, I wouldn't say unproven, but look, Jeff Okuda, we don't even know if he's going to start. He's listed as a backup behind, and I can't even pronounce his name, Amani, then last name. So I think just, yeah, exactly. So there's always some How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Players on each team where you're just like, that. yeah, I'm not going to try it. So um, this would maybe be an opportunity to see if you can use that new speed that the Bears do have this season. Tekken Jr. and Darnell Mooney. See what they can do. But, yeah, it might just be for Matt Nagy's game plan. If they feel that they can have time, which I think they will, you can pass against this Detroit Lions defense that didn't do very well against uh, you know passing offenses last season. Yeah, I would love – I know Mooney, he's here. He's a mid-round pick, but you heard a lot of buzz out of him from camp. Just give me one deep shot. See what you got out of it. You know, hit or miss. You throw it over him. It's incomplete. Worst case, you do it on third down, it's like a, a, a early punt. But just give him a shot. Throw a deep ball. See what he can do. Why not? I mean, he's not going to be, I would envision, really on the radar of the Lions if you have Allen Robinson, Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet out there, Anthony Miller. They're going to be looking elsewhere. Give this kid a shot. See what he can do. I would love to see at least one deep attempt to Darnell Mooney designed up, ready to rock and roll, ready to go this week against Detroit but we'll see how all these receivers get utilized obviously once we get through the season Nick we'll see how the Bears are using them we can discuss that and how they can improve upon it right now though with only seeing a couple highlights here and there it's interesting Uh, never been entering a week one as in the dark as we are and I know a lot of fans are exactly in the same boat and excited to see what the Bears can do there but let's transition over to the tight ends now our next talking point Obviously, this is where we're getting our first look at Jimmy Graham, our free agent signing, as well as our rookie, our first pick of this year's draft, Cole Komet. We've talked about all offseason that this maybe early on it started feeling flat, but as we've gotten through the offseason, getting into training camp, we're starting to warm up to both of these tight ends here in this offense. Last year, Detroit was very poor at covering opposing tight ends. Graham, as a Packer, in his two matchups against Detroit, had seven catches for 60 yards. And I believe that his familiarity, I got it, uh, against Detroit, seeing him twice a year over the last few seasons, I think it's going to help him this week. I think he knows what to expect out of them, too. And it's not like you know he's coming in cold like a Komet. He knows Detroit. He's been playing him a lot over his last few seasons up there in Green Bay. But, Nick, how are you expecting the Bears to utilize this revamped tight end group uh, the number one for me, Jimmy Graham in the red zone, Cole Komet on some nice crossing routes, giving him some you know room to catch and run. Those are my two bigger ones, and they're pretty simple. You want to take a deeper dive, or how are you envisioning the tight ends being used? I only talked about the top two. We still have some others that I expect to see out there on game day as well. Yeah, so maybe we'll just stick with the top two, and then we'll kind of go down from there. But looking how even the Bears utilized their tight ends last season, look, the tight end group was bad. We all know that. They only had two total touchdowns. But those touchdowns came against Detroit, one in each game. The one at Soldier Field, one at Ford Field, and that was from Ben Broniker and Jesper Horstead. 
Both those guys scored touchdowns on either. So for Jesper Horstead, it was a post route down the middle where you're carrying the safety over. Perfect pass from Mitchell Trubisky. The other one in that first matchup against Detroit was for two Ben Broniker on a nice corner route. Again, a good pass from Mitchell Trubisky. But now you get a revamped tight end room, right? You get Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, even Demetrius Harris, and then the guys that are already on this team. I think the Bears can use some of those similar concepts that they used last year to exploit the same deficiencies that the Detroit defense still has down the middle on those post-corner routes and get these big tight ends to catch a high ball, bring it down. And look, both those ended up in the end zone for the Bears last season. Those ended up being the only touchdowns for the Bears tight ends last season. But if you can get that same kind of formula, that same kind of route concept for these two big athletic tight ends, I like that. Whether it is on Jared Davis, who might be in coverage on a tight end, or a safety, you take that matchup, you give your guy a chance, and that's what the Bears have been doing in this training camp, giving their tight ends chances to make plays, and that's why they've had a stellar camp. So if I'm looking to exploit Detroit's defense and to really just capitalize on what the Bears could do pretty well in this matchup, it's throw down the middle to these big tight ends, let them go make plays. You mentioned it, Nick. These are some big athletic guys, and we need to give them opportunities. Mitch needs to go out there, play point guard, and let his man win a battle. You met, We already talked about uh, Jared Davis. I'm not going to do it again. Uh, you talked about the safety. Tracy Walker is one specifically. You good there, man? I am. Like You know when sometimes you have a really cold drink and it sticks to the coaster? That's exactly yes. what happened there. Sorry. Ooh, frosty. I like it. Uh, so <laughs> getting back to the point here, Tracy Walker, Nick, uh, their safety. Last year he gave up five touchdowns, a passer rating over 124. He's only six foot one. Graham is six foot seven. Comet six foot six. Obvious mismatch here. You gotta find a way to exploit it, especially if you get down the red zone, like you said. Get him into the get him into the end zone. Toss it up. Let your big man win the battle. I think that's the easiest Simplest way we can explain how the Bears can win with their tight ends. And they didn't have guys last year that can do it to the same degree where Komet and Graham can. I expect that impact to be felt very soon this season. And like you, I would not be surprised if it started here against Detroit. Uh, On top of that, Demetrius Harris, J.P. Holtz. I think they're going to be in here a decent amount too for some heavy packages. Uh, Harris more on the end line. Holtz maybe has that fullback. And just really, if they want to go heavy, expect to see them out there being extra blockers. I don't really envision or expect the Bears to go extra linemen because I think Harris and Holtz are going to be your extra linemen that can come into block but also be better receiving threats. Anything on those two real quick? Yeah, so I think that just goes back to the emphasis of maybe this team, this Bears team in 2020, really wants to focus on running the football a little bit more. I think they have some of the personnel that caters to wanting to do that so and we there's actually I mean in reports in camp Demetrius Harris is looking pretty good as a receiving tight end as well so you can't forget about that and with that familiarity with Matt hopefully Detroit can and you know with that familiarity with Matt Nagy I think there's there's a sense of trust there with a guy like that even though it's his first season with the Bears I think that maybe we'll see some passes that we weren't expecting to a Demetrius Harris which hey if it goes for positive yards you will take that and we all know about J.P. Holtz in that H-back position. But, yeah, these tight ends, with what we saw, well, kind of saw in camp, right? Highlights. What we read <laughs> about in reports from uh, the reporters there, 
they're going to be utilized. And I think it does start, like you mentioned, Will, this week one game against Detroit. Now, interestingly enough, we really didn't have a talking point set up for the quarterback, for Mitchell Trubisky. I don't know, Nick, is that a mistake? I, For me, I was thinking about it last night, this morning. I don't know what we can say that hasn't been said already. Uh, he just needs to play. Go out there, make throws. Don't make, you know, limit the mistakes. They're going to happen, but limit them. Give your guys the opportunities like we just mentioned, and he just needs to be sound mentally. He needs to be sound mechanically, and he needs to not get overwhelmed. And usually that has not happened against Detroit. But, again, I don't know what we can say about Mitch. I know he said earlier this week he has some newfound confidence. Okay, show it. Let's see it. That's what I want to – that's really all I got to say about Mitch this week. I don't want to, you know, microanalyze the situation – what he's bringing to the table. We've seen it, but we need to see a different quarterback wearing the number 10 jersey with the same last name on it come Sunday, and I hope we do, but I don't think we need to get too deep into the minutia. But did you want to say anything before we move over to defense? You know, I think just for Mitchell Trubisky in this week one matchup, like I said, he's had success against Detroit. And I think a big part of it is that he gave his guys chances. There are just some throws that, even if you go back to 2018, you know, I what comes to mind is like that Ben Broniker catch. What, again, a guy that's not even on the team, but he's at least giving his guy or giving his guy a chance to make a play. Allen Robinson's made a couple of big time plays. Obviously, we talk about Anthony Miller giving those his playmakers in what you referenced earlier, being a point guard. That's what John D. Filippo has said. That's what Matt Nagy has said. That's what they want out of the quarterback position. That's why Matt. That's why Mitchell Trubisky won the quarterback competition. So. He's got to just let his playmakers make plays for him, not get too much into his head, and just have a fast start. This is a good defense to kind of set that up for him and to hopefully have success later down the road. For sure. All right, Nick, let's switch over to defense, and we're going to begin looking at the trenches. And when we were looking at potential talking points, one that came back for both of us was life without Eddie Goldman and just what this defensive line is going to look like. And Nick... Can I be honest to tell you that I think I talked myself into some extra confidence when it comes to this defensive line without Eddie Goldman than I haven't? As you know, I've been a little worried, but I feel so much better just after looking at it, thinking it through. Bilal Nichols, I I guess I didn't realize he's pretty much the same size. He's (laughs) literally an inch shorter, seven pounds lighter. So he's not going to get pushed around. He's a strong dude. And I think he can do what Eddie Goldman did when we were in our base package of, you know, taking and absorbing double teams, keeping Roquan and Danny Trevathan, keeping the bodies off of them, and just eating gaps. But I think he can bring a little bit more to the table as well. He's a better pass rusher. He's almost as good as a run stuffer as Goldman. I wouldn't put him to the same level just yet, but we've seen it. He has some, a lot of promise there. And he has a little bit more burst to his game where he can – perhaps close those gaps a little bit quicker in the backfield compared to an Eddie Goldman. So, Nick, I don't know. Maybe it just took me a while to come around to it. But when you put all that into perspective, I don't think we're going to be better without Eddie Goldman. But I think Bilal Nichols is going to do a pretty damn good job this year filling in for him and showing that he can be a very versatile and valuable player uh, for this defensive line. But without Eddie Goldman, how are you feeling? I know Detroit's offensive line – they're starting almost half of it's going to be new, and they were you know, iffy a year ago, and that's why they've made some changes too. But what are your thoughts on the defensive line? Yeah, no, I, like Bilal Nichols, when I heard the news that Eddie Goldman was opting out, yeah, it's a blow to the defense. No doubt about it. We can't dispute that. But 
I just knew that they had Bilal Nichols the entire time and just the flashes he's shown and even coming back after that broken hand, you still saw some of those things. And look, he's listed as the starting nose tackle right now. And like you said, very similar size, but there is more of that burst, that more of that hand speed where he can close those gaps, make those tackles, and I think just make more negative plays. Not, I'm not trying to discredit Eddie Goldman in any way because very underrated player that always gets overlooked, but he just does his job so soundly every mm-hmm. single year. But Bilal Nichols has a little, there's a little extra to him. And you could see that, we could see that just now going into year three. And I think with more opportunities, we're going to see more of those flash plays that maybe an Eddie Goldman, just given not like the limitations, but just given what these two players are really good at, you're going to see more from a Bilal Nichols. And I think Pagano can also get a little bit more creative with what he wants to do in terms of maybe running stunts with a Roy Robinson-Harris and a Bilal Nichols and timing that with a Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, because those guys are a little bit more athletic. Not gonna, They are just, that's just what it is. Roy Robinson-Harris and Bilal Nichols can do, I think they're just a little bit more versatile than Nettie Goldman. So, that's where I think when you listen to what Akeem Hicks was saying in a press conference, I think a week ago, he said that Pagano has added some new wrinkles or some new kind of elements to the defense. I think that's where we're going to see it kind of unfold a little bit. With now this new defensive line, like I said, pairing it up with possible stunts with the linebackers, you're going to see, I think, a little bit more creativity along that front seven that wasn't there in year one. Right, and it's not like the Bears would be in their base all the time. They're in it in the minority of the time and they'll be in their sub packages throughout. And I wouldn't expect Nichols to be like an Eddie Goldman that once they go into that sub package exits the field, at least all too often, I think he'll alternate with a Roy Robertson Harris uh, from time to time. And so you'll see Nichols lined up on the nose. We also see him lined out. I think more of his natural fit as well. And I think he'll show that he can play both. He can handle the responsibilities of both in a game. And again, I think he's just going to really prove his value uh, this season. You mentioned Akeem Hicks, are you as excited as I am that we have not seen him on that dreaded injury report? I think that's a great sign. Uh, he's been, I know he was limited in camp, um, but I'm hoping he's close to 100%. We need him out there. We really do. But are you excited as I am by the lack of involvement on that on that list? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because just talking with Mason West, um, physical therapist at Barrington, you know, injuries to these bigger guys, they can linger. But seeing that Akeem Hicks has kind of gotten off that injury report, that's reassuring to me, reassuring to Bears fans, reassuring to this Bears defense that he is going to go into this season healthy and ready to go. And I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll talk about the matchup that he has. But, yeah, I'm really liking that Akeem Hicks is healthy, hungry, and we know he's always motivated, so it's going to be exciting. And we need him out there. We need him out here week one. We need him out here week 17. Uh, every game in between. We need 96 out there. The heart and soul of this defensive line uh, as we get closer to this game week, Nick, obviously with uh, Eddie Pinero, he got put on IR, which allowed the Bears to have that extra roster spot, and they used that to sign Mario Edwards. Do you expect to see him this week, or is it something that may have to take some time? I wouldn't be surprised if they have a few reps for him kind of lined up. Again, not 100% go, but kind of get him acclimated, and I'm sure he's experienced enough he can handle a few different reps knowing his assignment. Yeah, that one's going to be interesting. Right now, just looking at the depth chart, the unofficial depth chart, right? So this could change. He is listed uh, right behind Roy Robertson-Harris at that right defensive end. Um, It'll be interesting because we know that Detroit wants to try 
to run the football. They're going to try and make things honest, I think, for this Bears defense to think about. So there, it w- I wouldn't say that it wouldn't be something that you don't see because, again, they're going to try and be honest. And it's a lot. You're asking Bilal Nichols and Roy Robertson-Harris to really take on more of a load with being without being Eddie Goldman there, right? So, yeah, maybe a couple plays. Not, not expecting too much from Mario Edwards, to be completely honest. But I wouldn't be surprised if he does get a couple of snaps this game against Detroit. Yeah, I think five would be my max. I wouldn't envision him out there. But if you see, you know, Edwards, and you're like, wait, what? Don't forget he's on the team, and he may just be out there in a spell situation as the Bears get him acclimated to this defense. Let's move on to our secondary topic, and that was the matchups that you alluded to. That right side of the offensive line for Detroit, which is new, uh, which may already be an extra flex as it is, versus a Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. You want to give us the, the lowdown on that? I have some notes too, but I think you can pretty much take care of it for us. Yeah, so I mean, look, Akeem Hicks is going to be going up against a rookie third-round draft pick in Jonah Jackson. I remember watching his tape at Ohio State, just looking at potential guys that the Bears could possibly draft, and it only took me a couple plays to go on to the next guy. It took me completely honest. <laughs> and look, I'm not going to say I'm some kind of offensive line guru or anything. That's definitely not the fact, but that, that was just my initial perception of him. And knowing that Akeem Hicks is going to be going up against a rookie, I think the Bears' defensive line, Akeem Hicks just licking his chops ready for this matchup on Sunday. Get 12 o'clock, get noon here right now because that's going to be a matchup where I would think the Lions are going to have to do something, put a running back to that side to chip Akeem Hicks or moving over to just the right of him, Vitae, like we were, before we went live, Will, we're like, we're not going to say his first name because we're, it's we're not going to happen. We, I don't think we can. No. But Vitae also is a guy that's dealing with a, an ankle injury right now. So if they have to go to their backup backup right tackle, which I I had the name somewhere on here, but I don't have it right in front of me. Come on. Uh, Khalil Mack on that side, you are it's, – it's a nightmare. A nightmare scenario for Matthew Stafford who's already coming off injury and you have two of the better – pass rushers in the league just teaming up on that side that's not something that you want to go against especially week one and if everything runs through their quarterback in Matthew Stafford but love the matchups Cleo Mack potentially against Vitae or their backup right tackle then Akeem Hicks against Jonah Jackson that's just a field day I think for this Bears defense and even if you get Vitae he won't be 100 percent and he was someone who played not sparingly, he played a decent amount last year, but he was someone who stepped in due to Lane Johnson going down due to injury in Philadelphia. And he had an okay season when he was in there, but he wasn't exceptional. I think the Lions are banking on him growing into a starting role. And as a Bears fan, I can admit that you can sign a backup from Philadelphia and assume he can become a starter, and it doesn't always work out. Trey Burton. I just had to say it. Uh, it. It happens. So it's not going to be a guarantee for them. And when you're watching Vitae last year, one area really stood out to me as a weakness uh, when it comes to pass rushers. He struggles against speed off the edge. I know someone who can get off the ball in a hurry better than most in the league, and that's Khalil Mack. And he already talked about it. He's dealing with an ankle. He's going to be hindered. He's not going to be able to be even as quick into his you know, into a setup as normal. So I think that's going to be exasperated a little bit. So I think that helps uh, just a little bit more. But watch that Bears uh, defensive line, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, against that right side of the Detroit Lions offensive line. See if they can expose it. And if they don't, I think that's an issue for the Bears. That means they're not living up to the standard we believe they should be. And if they do, 
then at least you know you're able to see that one coming here on Sunday. And one last thing, Will, to talk about um, Vitae, just reading just coverage from the Lions. He was struggling, or he had his up and downs. I'll say he had his up and downs against the Detroit Lions' number one defense. And look, Trey Flowers is not Khalil Mack. That's just plain, that's fact. So if he's struggling there, you know, good luck. Good luck to Vitae. Good luck to that Lions offensive line. Go wreak havoc, Bears defense, because that's what's going to happen. Let's hope. Moving on to our second point here, Lions offense. And we didn't see Matthew Stafford last year. Uh, literally last year, too, the, the whole offense for Detroit struggled so much without him. They scored eight less points per game when he was off of the field compared to when he was playing early on in that season. He has a lot of good chemistry with his playmakers. We talked about it at the top of the show that their passing attack and their playmakers is probably what worries us the most about this Detroit Lions team. So the question that we're going to pose ourselves here is what do the Bears need to do in order to slow down Stafford and the passing attack if the Lions do want to air it out? For me, I was thinking about it. I thought the obvious answer is pressure, but I don't think that's going to be enough. Uh, we we know Stafford. He's going to hang in the pocket. He's going to make some good throws. He's going to make some uh, tough ones. And he's going to force it in there at times, and it'll work. And then other times it won't. And I think really what's going to come down to is the Bears secondary just winning their matchups. Uh, Nick, the stat that you had during our Meet the Opponent episode just about Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay and just how strong they are at contested catches, I think it's telling that they're going to get balls thrown their way when there are guys in coverage. I think it's going to be up to a Jalen Johnson, a Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, Buster Screen, Deshaun Gibson to break it up. Or if they do allow a catch, to limit the yards after the catch, to close in in a hurry and bring down the ball carrier. I think that's really, for me, the simplest way I can explain how to limit it. I don't think you're going to be able to completely shut down Matthew Stafford, even if you get pressure on him consistently or from time to time, he's going to stand in there, take a hit, and still make a throw. So to me, I'm leaning more on the secondary here to ensure that the damage is minimal because he's going to make throws, and they just need to find a way to ensure it doesn't become a bigger problem that it potentially could be. Yeah, so that's a really good point, Will. And even if you look at that, the last matchup, who was it? Buster's screen, and it was either Galladay or Marvin Jones who fought in the back left of the end zone where it was a double pass interference call. Look, that's exact. I mean, look, it's a replay the down, but you don't want those guys that are really good at making those contested catches coming down with the catch. And so you know that Matthew Stafford's expecting pressure, but he's still going to get that ball off. He's still going to try and throw it and give his receivers a chance, what we want to see Mitch do in this game. So it is about winning those one-on-one matchups, just making it difficult. So Jalen Johnson, Kyle Fuller, they're going to be in tight. They could be in tight coverage, but these wide receivers have proven they can make these tough catches. So it is going to be about coming down and just making it tough on every single reception for Matthew Stafford. But I think another thing, just he's so good at distributing the ball because there are so many playmakers now. And there's some guys that are still looking to take that next step. And a TJ Hawkinson's a guy that I look at knowing that he's got a lot of potential there, dealt with some injuries in year one, but I'm sure the Lions want to get him more involved. Danny Amendola is a guy that didn't really have a lot of success against the Bears even last season, but he's a dangerous slot receiver as well. And so Buster Screen has to make things tough for him. So that's what's going to, let's say the, the pass rush somehow doesn't get there. You need to be able to make things tough on these receivers every single possession because it only takes one or a busted coverage like we did see the Bears do on that, what, Thanksgiving matchup or Prince of Mukamara just completely 
blowing his assignment, and I think it's Galladay running down for a 70-yard touchdown. So can't have any of those miscues, and there are some new guys in the secondary. So got to be on the same page every single play and make things tough for those receivers. Exactly, and on top of that too, it's going to be, it's not impossible, but it is a difficult task to totally confuse Stafford. Uh, I don't know what you can show him what he hasn't seen so far in his long NFL career, so it's really just standing up and uh, just winning your matchups, uh, every single one in the secondary. To me, that's what it boils down to, but let's go ahead and move on, Nick, Uh, and we have some new faces on this Bears defense I think we need to start setting some expectations for. Uh, We have Jalen Johnson in his first ever career game, first ever career start. It's Sean Gibson at safety, who's going to be playing strong safety for, I think, the first time in his NFL career. And then you have Robert Quinn at outside linebacker, and he's been limited, actually not participating, right? Yeah, not participating as of the past two today and then yesterday. So that's not encouraging at all. All right. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I... I'm getting very not ultra pessimistic, but like when he's not practicing and he already had a severely limited training camp and the bears paid a lot of money to bring him in. And I don't need him to start week one. If it's going to risk his whole season, like I'll be patient. I think we can live without Robert Quinn this week if we need to, but it is disconcerting that it's already kind of starting that bears tenure on the wrong foot. Is there anything else about Robert Quinn right now? I mean, again, he didn't have a full training camp. He's not practicing. So even if he's out there, I'd envision it being very limited. Yeah, I think that would be probably what happens in this game because we just don't even know exactly what he's dealing with. According to what Matt Nagy today, it's, it wasn't he's not out of practice because of the ankle injury. So what is it? Why is he not practicing? What is the issue now? So it's just up in the air. And I think we're going to be calling Barkevious Mingo's name a little bit more than we would have liked come week one, which, yeah, you, you got to make do with what, what you got. But still, it's not the most reassuring thing. And everyone's going through injuries. There's a lot of teams that are going through injuries in this week one matchup. And he hasn't been ruled out yet, but it's never a good sign to see or get a DNP, did not practice on a Thursday leading mm-hmm. up to a Sunday Sunday noon game. Yeah, and maybe it's Mingo. I still think Mingo's here to be a special teams ace and sparingly play on defense. I wouldn't be surprised to see some Vodders, especially more of a, a Travis Gibson as well. Uh, so we'll see if how it shakes out if they need to really tap into the reserves or not, but we'll see. Uh, again, it's we don't know. <laughs> I wish we did. Uh, but I hope he can at least play somewhat. But if it is going to risk his season, I would definitely play it safe, play it cautious. It's a long year, and we don't need to – rush anyone just yet especially with all the investment they're putting in and I think how vital he is to the long-term success of the defense not this just this year but next year uh, as well let's move over to the other free agent uh, to Sean Gibson I'm expecting him Nick to be pretty sound in his coverage whether he's on a running back tight end wide receiver he's been one of the better safeties in coverage I know he was last year and that should be on display Earlier this offseason, he said, I'm just a safety. Like, I don't, I'm not a strong safety. I'm not a free safety. I just line up wherever the coaches want me to be. But he has played more free safety throughout his career or primarily free safety. And now he's going to be asked to play, we're assuming, but it should be a strong assumption here, more in the box than he has over his earlier career to date. And I think he'll fit well in that role. But how about you? Do you have any 
hesitations, concerns, or just any thoughts about Gibson and his Chicago Bears debut? I know there was a pretty good battle with your guy, Dion Bush, that was probably closer than most anticipated being, which I don't know if that's more of an indictment on Gibson or a testament to Dion Bush. We haven't really been told that, but just curious your thoughts on Gibson as he's going to make his first start in Chicago. Well, in Detroit, but in Chicago. Yeah, so I think, you know, when I really look at these safeties, Will, I don't know if I'm really categorizing strong safety, free safety, even though that's probably what the, what they'll get labeled on a, a depth chart or things like that because of what Deshaun, Deshaun Gibson was talking about earlier in his press conference this week that if Eddie Jackson feels like he needs to go be that single high, he'll go do it. But they there's going to be a lot of communication between those two. And Chuck Pagano obviously will rotate guys just so offenses don't get a feel for what is actually going on. So these guys, I mean, they are they are free safeties, no doubt about it. But there's a lot of interchangeability in what their assignments are going to be, who they're going to cover. Like, it was the game against the Eagles last season where I believe it was, it was Zach Ertz who was doing some damage early on. Chuck Pagano said, hey, Eddie, Eddie Jackson, go cover him man-to-man. And that's something that you're going to see a lot more just in Pagano's defense where these guys are going to be asked to play man-to-man. So I think that when it comes to responsibilities, what they should do, what they shouldn't do, what I would like to see is Eddie Jackson just be that robber, be that guy that goes out and just flies around the football because that's where I think he's his best. You think about the pick six that he had on Matthew Stafford, he's playing a little close to the line of scrimmage and just jumps the tight ends. I think it was just a simple shoot, uh, angle route, out to the sideline, jumps it, pick six. So... Let these guys roam. Let these guys be smart and just talking what they think they need to do. And I think it was today Pagano also said, like, he's going to talk to Jackson. If Jackson doesn't like something, he can change it. So there's a lot of responsibility, flexibility, and just trust that is happening with these safeties. And Gibson is a veteran. He knows exactly how to go about things. He just needs to get that chemistry going with this new unit. So I'm, I feel pretty confident in what they could do. It's not like HaHa Clint Dix and Jackson were a, like a bad combo. I just think that Gibson maybe will allow Jackson to do more of what he's best at, just playing that robber position and just making big plays on the football field. Yeah, we've talked about that all off season. Moving on to the last one, Jalen Johnson. I think he has, out of everyone, the tallest order in front of him. Very tough opponent in terms of receiving skill set to go up against in your first NFL career start, but I think he's ready. And I believe the Bears wouldn't have started him if he wasn't ready. When we were learning more about Jalen Johnson and talking to people who are around him in Utah, we just learned how much he is a student of the game. And I think mentally he'll be uh, very prepared. On top of that, he's confident. He's a baller. He has- Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Swag to him, and I believe that Detroit, Nick, I would assume, and I would expect them to test him pretty early and pretty often until he proves them otherwise. And hopefully he can step up to that challenge, that test that I know is coming his way. But if he can give them a reason to go elsewhere, that's what can really hinder this Lions offense. Because if Jalen Johnson isn't a weakness, then you have to look at maybe screen, which 
okay, you can take some shots there too. But then Kyle Fuller and then the safeties that we just mentioned and Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan are two of the best coverage linebackers too in the NFL. So it's really going to be Jalen Johnson, his ability to step up or not, that I think is going to be uh, a big reason why the Bears' defense succeeds or perhaps struggles a little bit here in this game and slowing down the Lions' passing attack. But I, even though I know he's ready, or I expect him to be ready, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some mental mistakes. It's his first NFL game. They're going to throw some things at him he hasn't seen before. And I think I'll have a little bit of forgiveness, at least personally, if it does happen, just knowing it is his first career start. And it could be worse. We could have drafted a corner in the top five that probably isn't even going to be playing. So I'm just grateful that he has stepped up to the occasion and he's able to be a starter here in Chicago, Johnson. And I'm excited to see what he can do. Anything you wanted to mention about Jalen? Look at Will just taking the shots there at, at the Detroit Lions in their top top three overall pick. No, but look, he even acknowledged that. I think one of the reporters asked Jalen Johnson you'd, like something along the lines that you're going to be targeted. He's like, yeah, I expect that. I, I mean, he's a rookie corner, and he's going to make mistakes. But his mentality, like you mentioned, Will, we talked to his defensive coordinator, his cornerbacks coach at Utah. He's just a guy, next play mentality, and he's – up for the challenge. He shadowed number one receivers while he was at Utah. And he, you know, met the occasion every single time. So Jalen Johnson, big physical corner, the guy that you've always liked, Will, so that you had pegged in your mock draft to the Bears. I'm expecting big things for him. But if he, you know, he's going to miss a couple of plays. Of course, he's a he's a cornerback. They all do. doesn't matter how good you are. You miss plays, but it's how you rebound. And just knowing that We've heard Jalen Johnson said he reached out to Kyle Fuller immediately to learn exactly what he's seeing on the football field. He's talked to, obviously, Eddie Jackson. He said in interviews, like, yeah, that's a guy I want to see what he's seeing because if you have that that same, I guess, continuity and chemistry between the cornerbacks and the safeties, you're on the same page with those big receivers, you can try to, you can definitely do a good job of mitigating the damage. So, yeah, I'm, re- I'm excited. I'm really excited to see what Jalen Johnson can do because this is a great matchup if it's Galladay, who is dealing with his own injury, and then Marvin Jones as well. So big physical guys, Jalen Johnson's a big physical corner. He's, he'll be ready. For sure. You got me so excited. I forgot, like, my mock draft all the way to starting week one for the Chicago Bears. It's been quite a ride uh, this offseason, Nick. And I think the last time I did this was Roquan Smith, and that's turned out pretty well. I think we're expecting big things out of Roquan this year, and – Man, I, I picked two of the 11 to draft the Bears so far on defense. Call me a GM and hire me. No, I'm good, but uh, <laughs> that's exciting stuff there. It's one of those, like, I know, but, like, that's a good perspective to have. But let's move on to who's going to be our X factors on offense and defense this week for the Chicago Bears. Starting with the Bears' offense, I, I think you like Anthony Miller and how you are framing it. Uh, are you going to go with Miller so I can have Mitch? Because it's Mitch. We all know the X Factor is Mitch. It's, there's no one else that's the X Factor besides Mitchell Trubisky. Because if he struggles, and to the degree we know he can, the offense will be held back. If he can play yeah, no. and be that if, – if, if, go ahead. Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, Mitch would be the guy. But, you know, I didn't, even, I didn't put Anthony Miller here. I think I expect him to do some good things on his football field on Sunday – Someone that would be an X factor to get a surprise contribution from would be a Tariq Cohen. That's a guy that I think, you know, throughout this entire offseason, well, he's been lost in the conversation a little bit. And, you know, I think it's justified a little bit. And also, hey, this is still a dynamic playmaker, or at least the Bears think so. And with Montgomery still dealing with this groin injury, and it sounds like he is going to play, 
Tariq Cohen needs to step up, and we're going to bring up that linebacker again, Jared Davis, <laughs> because he is just he's just not a good coverage linebacker. And if Matt Nagy truly wants to utilize his running backs more in the passing game. You talked about this earlier, and I'm glad that you did because I have also had in my notes, this is the time to do that. Both David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen last season had receiving touchdowns against the Lions. So you have first for tight ends actually getting touchdowns against or tight ends getting touchdowns against the Lions and also the running backs. So this could be an opportunity for Tariq Cohen to exploit a matchup that I think favors him and just something that maybe as Bears fans we're not really even expecting really anymore. In two games last season, Cohen had eight receptions, 49 yards against the Lions and then one and one touchdown reception. And then he only had Six rushing attempts for 23 rushing yards. So he hasn't had good days against Lions, but I think if you match up him with a Jared Davis, he can have success. So that's my X factor. If you get you know positive contributions from a Tariq Cohen, especially with David Montgomery dealing with his injury, that could do some good things for this Bears offense. So Cohen as a receiver. Yeah. Mostly. <laughs> Cohen as a receiver. Just making sure because – if MT10 doesn't step up and deliver some of those throws, then yours is mute. So I think I yeah. mine, I'll go with mine over yours still, just because it's uh, honestly maybe X factor isn't the best term for Mitch here. Because I mean, yes, he can make or break this offense. Maybe wild card, Nick. Maybe wild card's the better term when it comes to Mitchell. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. I guess so. Like, I guess you can take what is an X factor. Like, is it being someone that you think is going to contribute, or is it someone that? It depends on how you look at it. But yeah, wild card. That may be a good term to to maybe implement for the next you know preview show. Right. Like, hey, we can uh, improve on the fly. But let's move over to the defensive X factors right now and. I kind of spoiled mine, I think, with how I was phrasing it, but it's Jalen Johnson. It, it's the rookie corner. Does he get exposed? Does he get exploited? Or does he stand up? Or do, and does he just succeed? Starts the NFL career kind of like a Kyle Fuller did a handful of years ago, super strong. And if he can do that, I think it makes the Lions job so much tougher. But if he struggles, I think they give him a pretty easy outlet to get some easy yards, easy plays in. I think that's a possibility here. We have to be realistic. But with everything we've heard and seen from Jalen Johnson, I don't expect that to be the case. I expect him to hold his own out there for the most part. But, again, whether he does or doesn't, I think will really impact the Chicago Bears defense more than some of the other players on this team. How about you? Yeah, no, that's a good one, obviously. with It's such a big matchup for Jalen Johnson. My X Factor is actually going to go to the inside nickel cornerback position with Buster Screen and Danny Amendola. Don't let Amendola be an impact player in this game. You already have to worry about Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, two big-time receivers that can make some big catches for Matthew Stafford. If Amendola is able to get success in the slot, open things in the middle of the field, you have to cheat to that you know, a little bit to the inside, maybe drop back more into coverage just to compensate for winning that matchup, that's going to be, that wouldn't be ideal. Let's say that. And, you know, in the two games last season, Buster Screen's done a pretty good job. Game one, four receptions, 29 yards for Amendola. Game two, three receptions, 32 yards. Again, this is without Matthew Stafford. We all, like, everything that's happening without Matthew Stafford, he changes the whole, you know, dynamic of this Lions offense. But if you take away, don't let him be a factor, 
I think that just makes things a little bit easier for those outside corners. You can have those safeties maybe cheat a little bit more to the sidelines and have that middle of the field a little bit open if you trust Buster Screen to do his job. So that's going to be my X factor. Take Amendola out of this game. Don't let him be a factor. It makes the defense a little bit easier for the Bears. All right. Now, up next, we'll be talking about our pivotal matchups of the week, which we're calling our backbreakers. Nick has one. I have the other. Uh, but before we do, Nick, I know we want to let people know how they can support our show as well as this uh, discussing. Uh, I think we have one shout out to give this week, which I'm excited to get to. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we just talked about X Factors. But when I think about X Factors, think about the people that make this show possible. And that's all of you guys, the fans at home. And look, Will and I, we did just have to pay for our subscription to Pro Football Focus, NFL Game Pass. It all comes out of pocket. So with that, we're just... And again, we've been doing this for almost two months now, which is awesome. We want to give you an opportunity to get a shout out on the podcast and all you have to do, any type of donation, whether that is even just subscribing to the channel or sending it, you know, a money donation, we'll take that and then you'll get your name uh, shouted out on the podcast and please tell us where you're from. It's always cool to see where that happens and here's how you can make that happen, you guys. On Venmo, if you just look up the username, the Chicago Audible. Should see my name, Nicholas Moriano, and the Chicago Audible logo. And if you want to do it through PayPal, here's where you can make the donation. You go to www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal, and then you can make those donations, whatever you feel is right. Uh, Will and I will greatly appreciate that. And again, you'll get a shout-out on the podcast. But Will, you do have someone that donated. Do you want to give that shout-out? Yeah, I take the PayPal one. So I want to put a big shout-out here to Elizabeth S. from Lafayette, Indiana, right here in my home state, Nick. And Elizabeth, it's always awesome to see support, especially here uh, in Indiana for me, growing up in northwest Indiana, now living in Bloomington, Indiana, and still covering and loving my Chicago Bears. It's good to see a fellow Bears fan here in the state. And on top of that, you know, Lafayette, Bloomington, you're still supporting us despite maybe a rivalry if you're a college basketball fan. Um, but no, seriously, Elizabeth, uh, just thank you so much for your donation that came in this week. It does really help. Like Nick said, uh, we got ourselves some pro football focus subscription for the year. Again, we use that for some advanced stats. We don't ever really talk about their grades on here at all. And then on top of that, NFL Game Pass, we can watch the film. And both of those are not uh, cheap in their own right. So to have both hit in the same week, Nick and I, wow, it's a... Uh, it's an expensive week for us. So if you can help out, that's great. If not, you know, we appreciate you just listening and supporting us in other ways, like telling your other Bears fans, subscribing to the channel, uh, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts are all also great ways to support our show. But all right, Nick, let's go ahead and move up to our back breaker. This is where we'll each take a matchup, one on offense, one on defense, and discuss why it's the most important one to pay attention to. And this week, I have offense, so I'll go ahead and begin. And I have the Bears tackles. Leno Jr., Bobby Massey versus Trey Flowers, as well as linebacker Jamie Collins. Uh, They are by far the best pass rusher on the Lions. They combined for 14 sacks a year ago. Other guys like Deshaun Hand, he had zero. Danny Shelton, he has four and a half sacks in five years. And they do have Nick Williams as well, but I believe the Bears can handle him. And we all know he's very hit or miss with his production, and he doesn't overly worry me. Collins, and I think he's going to be rushing off of the edge, and he may also blitz more in the interior. Um, but for this matchup, I'm looking at the edge, and they'll give him, Collins, a chance to get after Trubisky. 
He's by far the best blitzer rushing linebacker that they have on the team. Flowers, he's that typical defensive end. Uh, he notched a sack in each of the Bears games a year ago. And Trubisky, a lot of his success against the Lions just do, comes due to the fact that they haven't been able to generate much of a pass rush. But if they do let up some pressure, that's where Mitch may end up struggling. Don't forget Bobby Massey. He missed the final six games last year. Is he going to have some rust to knock off? Leno Jr. is coming off an offseason as well. And if the Bears can just contain the edge and also watch for the blitz, and if so, this could maybe extend to the entire offensive line with Jamie Collins, it just it needs to become a focus. They really do. And again, the Bears and Mitch, they'll need to ensure that that pass rush really does not become a factor because it should not become a factor. But if it does, I think it can break the Bears back. Rushing is already iffy due to Monty's status. So pressure to the passing game, I think that's how you can spoil it. And I hopefully the Bears don't allow the Lions, who don't have any business getting a ton of pressure, consistent pressure, allow Trey Flowers to go off, allow Jamie Collins to go off, and really just derail the plan before it's even able to begin. So for me, that's going to be my backbreaker on offense. Nick, when you're looking at the defense, what's going to be your backbreaker? Yeah, so we already kind of talked about this matchup, but if the Bears can't win this one or if Jalen Johnson can't win this matchup against Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, and I think what it looks like just how the Lions played it last year, it was primarily Kenny Galladay who had 480 of his 802 wide receiver snaps on the left side of the formation, which will be Johnson's side primarily. So there's there's going to be a lot of one-on-one opportunities. We talked about this earlier how these Lions wide receivers are really good at making contested catches. They finished number three and number four in the league last year in bringing down those contested catches. So, and Galladay, he led the NFL with 11 touchdown passes and had a career-high 1,190 yards last season. So, it's a guy that can do some damage. And if Johnson struggles, if you have to overcompensate and put a safety more to that side, that makes our, my X factor for Buster Screen and Amadola. That makes it a little bit easier for him. The field now widens open, right? It's because you have to cheat to that side. So it would be bad. It really would if Jalen Johnson just struggles in his first NFL game against. Look, quality wide receivers. And we're not going to lie here. They're they're good guys. They they make a lot of plays for the Lions offense. But just given that what we know about Jalen Johnson, how he approaches the game. I think he's ready for this task, but that's going to be the backbreaker, Will. If Jalen Johnson can't win those things, it really could open up this Lions passing attack and make things a little bit harder for this Bears defense. Agreed. That's why he was my X Factor as well. All right, Nick. Remember last season how we used to do who has the edge and we would do three different ones? Well, this year we're going to boil it down to just two components. The Bears on either side of the ball, either rushing defense or rushing offense versus the opponent's equivalent uh, and vice versa, just getting it down to the nitty-gritty, and we'll still have the same level of analysis. But we used to have Bears passing attack versus a secondary, then pass rush versus offensive line. But really, when you think about it, pass rush, offensive line, and the actual passing attack in the secondary, they all work together to whether or not the Bears will succeed through the air or not. So it makes a lot of sense to condense this a little bit. And with the two of us, it's a little less awkward to have that third one to alternate on. So with that, let's move, go ahead and find out who has the edge. And Nick, you're up first with the Bears rushing attack versus that Lions run defense. And Will, this one was so tough for me to give the edge to either team because I kept going back and forth when David Montgomery said, or you know, when he had a full practice, I just switched at the end. 
And this is, I barely have it in the Bears' favor here. So you got to hear me out. It's not that the Lions' defense is that good of a unit. They're not. It's just we need to see what what we need to do with with how the Bears are going to approach this rushing attack. And I, I like what Juan Castillo is all about. I really do. This new philosophy that they have to the rushing, to the running game and, you know, bringing in Jermaine Effetti, I think is an upgrade for a Kyle Long that was just struggling. But you look at just the players that they have for Detroit. Like Nick Williams is a starter there. Through, throughout his, what, the first eight weeks, he had five five of his six sacks. Then the remaining, the rest of the season, he just doesn't do as well. So I think there was a maybe a bit of a surprise for teams seeing Nick Williams contribute for the Bears, and then he tailed off. Now he's asked to be a full-time starter. He doesn't have a Cleo Mack next to him. He doesn't have an Akeem Hicks next to him. Well, hold on, that Nick. Impact- I just want to let you know, you, you just said it. He did really good with Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks went out, and then his production went away. So can he survive? Can he produce? without someone to the same level of Akeem next to him. That's a, I'm glad you mentioned it, but I want to make sure we're clear because I remember Akeem Hicks went down and Nick Williams pretty much went MIA. Yeah, and that wasn't just in sacks. That was also in run support as well. So you look at him having to take more of a, a load, really, for that Detroit Lions being asked to be a starter. And just there's just not a lot of playmakers over there. And it may just be where the Bears, I'm not saying they're going to have a great day rushing or they're maybe even 100 yards, but maybe it'll just be more pro- productive, more efficient. Because, uh, like, right now, they're still uncertainty with these Bears running backs, how they're actually, like Will and I talked in the beginning of the show, we don't know exactly how they're going to use them but it's a slight edge to the Bears rushing attack just because the Lions defense is there's nobody on there that really scares me yeah maybe Jamie Collins a little bit but one guy doesn't make a defense unless you're Khalil Mack no we have other playmakers as well (laughs) but for me we'll move on here I have the Bears passing offense versus that Lions passing defense Uh, it's tough but I'm gonna give it to the Bears just looking historically here the Lions they weren't good against the pass last year well, again, largely due to the lack of the pass rush. Okay, I don't know if you remember, Nick, but the Lions actually did give up the most passing yards in the NFL last year. And they also gave up the 10th most passing touchdowns. Uh, they were also the second worst at getting after quarterbacks. And I don't think, even though they made a few additions, they have a new defensive coordinator, I don't think it's going to improve that much to make a huge difference here. And, hey, our guest talk, talked about it last night. Mitch is the Lions slayer. So we have to just go with that too. But I think the revamp tight ends, like we mentioned, is going to help. Mitch's numbers, even in 2018, were so much better when he had decent tight end production. So let's hope there is some correlation there, and maybe we'll see that this week. And we'll see if uh, the tight ends could be a true key to opening up this Bears offense and running it how it is intended to be run. Matt Nagy also said when he first got hired here, it takes three years to master this offense. We're in year three. So for me right now, just looking at how bad the Lions were at stopping the pass, we know the Bears weren't good at passing, but we're expecting some decent improvement, and the tight end group should help. I'll give this one to the Bears. Uh, maybe not as close as yours, but it was a little closer than maybe I thought it would when I first started, just because, again, I think the Lions will be a little better, but they don't have Darius Slay. They obviously aren't having the guy they drafted to start start at the other corner, so I think this one is an easier one to give the Bears the favor And we'll switch over to the defense now, which is the Bears running defense versus that Lions rushing attack. And I have this one, so I'm going to keep rambling here for you just for a minute, Nick. And we don't know, just like the Bears, we don't know really who's going to be rushing the ball for the Lions right now. And this one was an interesting one to think about, just to say the least. The Bears defense last year, top 10 at stopping the run. And I think even without Eddie Goldman, 
I expect them to do the same, finish in the top 10 as a rushing defense this year. Adrian Peterson and all the nightmares he gives me be damned. Uh, I have a having a hard time having all that faith in that revamped offensive line for the Lions as well. And I think they'll get the good push from Hicks. They'll get good push from Mack. I don't, uh, Roy Robinson-Harris can hold his own, and we all know that Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, they can fly the football as well. Uh, so I'll give this one to the Bears. Don't really think the rushing attack is what we need to worry about when it comes to the Lions, which probably means it's exactly what we should be worrying about. But, Nick, for you, uh, Bears passing defense versus that Lions passing attack. Yeah, and so, I mean, obviously this is where the strength of the Lions is at, that passing attack. We know about all their weapons that they have. But this is still, you factor in the Bears passing defense. You're factoring pass rush. You're factoring in that secondary, the linebacker play. And look, we are expecting this defense to be top five. I think they have all the potential in the world to do that. And it does make it a little worrisome about Robert Quinn. And that does factor into here. But I still like the Bears passing defense to at least do an, they'll, they'll, they'll definitely do enough to win this, put the Bears in position to win this game. But you also got to factor in the injuries to that right tackle position, Vitae dealing with that injury, and also Jonah Jackson. Come on, man. Right guard against Akeem Hicks. I just like the Bears being able to exploit those matchups to help out and win this category right here. So, And when I really think about it, the Lions have potential to be a very good offensive unit. But we've seen consistently two years now, the Bears are arguably the best. They, they were number one or a top 10 defense, and maybe they'll fall in between this year being top five. Lions passing attack, we still got to see it all come together, but it's all going to come down to that offensive line giving Stafford time to throw. So factor in all that, I have to give it to the Bears passing defense. All right. Looking here, Nick, we're going to unveil the coach's corner is what we're calling it. And, hey, I mean, I'm coaching – football this year and I'm excited to kind of use a coaching lens here so in this segment which is a new segment to our preview show Nick and I we're going to alternate our perspective each week one of us is going to take a strength of our opponent and figure out how the Bears can overcome it and then the other is going to take a weakness of the other team and figure out how the Bears can either exploit it or make sure it doesn't become an issue so for Nick you're up first and you have the lion strength so you let us know what you have and how the Bears can overcome it yeah, it's a lot what I was just talking about. It is the passing game because although the Lions are, I think when we come out on Sunday at noon, we're going to see the Lions actually running the ball a little bit to establish and then play action to establish his passing game. That's just kind of what the Lions will do to try to keep this Bears defense honest. But really, Chuck Pagano, Matt Nagy, this Bears organization, this Bears defense knows that it goes, that offense, that team goes through Stafford. He's going to have to throw the ball throw a ball, you know, accurately, effectively, and just honestly smart to beat the Bears defense. And if he can't do that, then the Lions don't have a chance to be completely honest. So I think what you got to do, I know you said maybe pressure won't be the key, but I think Stafford has a tendency, and he's been better lately of not throwing those back-breaking picks, but we know, we saw just, what, two years ago that, Eddie Jackson will pick you off and go back the other way for six. So I think if you can apply pressure on Stafford and make him feel like he does have to do everything, which he kind of does, then you're going to make it more susceptible to make those back-breaking picks, those fumbles that we've seen Stafford have throughout his career, you know, just a Detroit Lions. So I think it's applying pressure. We didn't. I don't think we saw enough 
of Roquan Smith or Dan Trevathan blitzing. I want to see more of that. I want to see it right up in Matthew Stafford's face, get him uncomfortable early. And if you could do that with Akeem Hicks on Jonah Jackson, I don't know, I don't know how many times I have to say that matchup, but if you could do that, <laughs> man, Matthew Stafford's just going to have a tough day. I know there's not going to be fans there. Probably There won't be fans there booing and stuff like that, but this defense has everything in place to just wreak havoc. And if Robert Quinn is even, I don't know, 70, 80%, he just needs to have a couple of those rushes against that left tackle, that's just going to make it that much tougher for, for a Lions offense that does have a revamped right side of that offensive line to just have success. So apply pressure. That's going to be the key, and I think the Bears have the personnel and just a scheme to really do that. Wow, how much were you biting your tongue knowing you had this coming up? And I was like, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be that pivotal here. And you're like, oh, just you wait. Yeah, no, it took me a while, so I'm glad we finally got to this segment. No kidding. I mean, you didn't spoil the new segment, which kudos to you, because uh, that, uh, that was some good hosting there, Nick. So for me, a weakness of the Lions, I was trying to think of something we haven't talked about yet to this point. Something they were really bad on on defense last year was getting off of the field. And something that the Bears were really bad at was executing on third down. I think the Bears need to find a way to do it. And there's a wide variety here. It's going to really depend on situations. So I think the easiest one is to play ahead of the sticks. Don't put yourself in first and long, second and long, third and long. Try to get some positive yards on first and second down. Make your job as easy as possible if you do have to play on that third down. And the Lions has put in perspective fifth worst in the NFL last year when it comes to third down defense. And the Bears were the eighth worst third down offense last year in why this is important? Well, Nick, you just talked about it. That Lions passing attack is potentially dangerous. Uh, they scored 25.5 points per game with Stafford. They only scored 17 points per game without him. And they can't give that offense with Matt Stafford, with these playmakers, any extra possessions and wear down this defense. I mean, teams have been practicing. They haven't played games yet. They didn't even get preseason games to get into any game shape. I think conditioning is going to start to wear on both these teams. And I think on defense if the Bears are getting extra possessions on defense because our offense can't stay on the field against a defense that shouldn't be shutting down our team on third down, it's going to really hinder the Bears' overall effectiveness in this game. And I mentioned getting ahead of the sticks. How about Matt Nagy doesn't try to get too cute? Uh, If we're going to get third and one with this defensive line that I think is iffy, especially in the interior, let's get some push and let's get that, that yard that we need. We can't be getting tackled in the backfield anymore. We need to see that straightened up as well. And on top of that, there are just many reasons why the Bears were so bad on third down last year. Uh, the quarterback wasn't able to make the throw needed and make the right read, hang in there with pressure. Again, we need to see all that starting to change now. Keep the Lions defense on the field, wear them down, uh, whether it's finding a security blanket like an Allen Robinson against zone whether you need to find your tight end against man, throw it up and let him get a football, let him make a play. So many variables here, but again, the fact that the Lions were so bad on third down defense last year, if the Bears find a way to go three and out, three and out, three and out, and this defense has to get on the field consistently and get worn down, that's the perfect recipe for the Lions to pull ahead, have the Bears have to play from behind, and then that's maybe where the wheels can fall off. So that's the best way to avoid it is I don't care if you have to settle for three points just or if you just have some drives, sustain them. But if you're going to consistently go three and out and not convert on third down, 
think we're going to have some problems here of how this game could sway one way or the other. All right, Nick, we have one final segment of our show left, and it's time to finally hand out some predictions. Are you excited as I am to hand out your first bold prediction of the season? We've been doing both bold predictions all offseason, but now we have a game to share our first bold predictions of the season. Did you have some fun with yours? Because I know I did with mine. Yeah, and I think mine potentially could happen just because of talking about it and what we know this Lions offense is going to do and who they're going to throw the ball to. I think this is a, 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 pl- a plausible one. So my bold prediction for this game is that both the starting cornerbacks, Jalen Johnson and Kyle Fuller, will each have an interception in this game. We know Matthew Stafford likes to you know, test and get throw those uh, passes that are you know, 50-50, really. So it's going to be up to Jalen Johnson and Kyle Fuller to really fight those wide receivers, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones. And I think by the end of this game, each of them will have an interception. All right. My bold prediction. So you had like almost like a double bold prediction. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I have one up to you. I made yeah. a trifecta. Oh, man. All right. Let's 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 hear it. I got three big plays by newcomers. So we're going to have some new faces making some great first impressions. I have a new tight end scoring a touchdown. I'm going to give it to Cole Komet because all eyes will be on Jimmy Graham. A new outside linebacker is going to get at least a sack. I'm going to give it to Travis Gibson just because Quinn is very MIA. Uh, It could be Mingo as well, but if I'm trying to be specific here, I'll give it to Gibson. That's bold. And then a new defensive back is going to get a turnover. I'm going to go with Deshaun Gibson here too. He's been very prone to... Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it find his way around the football and getting interceptions. Uh, I think Johnson, he has enough to worry about. I don't need to put a bold prediction on his shoulders this week. Uh, Maybe that's something I can work on later on. So I'm going to go ahead and I'll give this one to Gibson. But I have three strong plays from three newcomers making really good first impressions, making Ryan Pace look a little bit smarter. And I think we'll feel really good about how our offseason went and where our season's heading if that ends up being the case. So that's going to be my trifecta bold prediction. Moving forward, Nick. You know, I li- oh, go ahead. I like how we uh, gave ourselves more options yeah. to get these things right. Look, they have to all come true to, to actually work, but we gave ourselves options this time because I don't know how many bold predictions we got, if we got any. I don't remember, but at least we gave ourselves options for the first week. Someone should task themselves, re-listen or re-watch all of our episodes Heck, last season and figure it out. And what we need to do is we need to go – through our off-season episodes and find out how many bold predictions we made for the season and what they were to see if any come true. Because there were a lot. We did a lot of them for every player since they got signed. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's best that we keep that there. Maybe. Just in case. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Uh, up next, Nick, we got to predict our first MVB. Uh, if you're listening for the first time this year and you're wondering MVB, yes, most valuable bear. Nick, do you want to go ahead and kick it off for your first MVB prediction of the season? 
Yeah, so when it all said and done, when you know the zeros are there at the, the the end of the game, I think Akeem Hicks is going to be the most valuable bear. And I'll go back to it again, Jonah Jackson, <laughs> no. Akeem Hicks. Come on, that's just a matchup that. Look, Will, you had the perfect gif with what, what was it, Patrick? He's just looking over with that that weird face, and he's like blinks a couple. Perfect. That's exactly what Akeem Hicks is thinking about this matchup and how much disruption he can cause for the interior offensive line, for that Lions offense, knowing that he has a rookie. And, yes, he might have help, but this is Akeem Hicks, one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league. He's healthy. He's hungry. He's ready to go. So when it's all said and done, when you're seeing Matthew Stafford throw those interceptions that I'm thinking for my bold predictions, Akeem Hicks is going to have a factor into why that happens. And so when it's all said and done, like I said, Akeem Hicks will be the MVP. All right. Uh, I like that one a lot. For me, I was thinking through and – all the typical names come up, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, Allen Robinson. And I was like, I want to do something that maybe is unexpected because it is week one in the NFL and things tend to go a little bit off plan, a little bit off script. So for me, it may not be a popular one, but I'm going to go with Jimmy Graham. I think he's going to prove that he still has something left in the tank. Uh, speaking of tanks, I think he's going to give this offense some much needed gas that it didn't have last season as well. Uh, I guess these could end up being extra bold predictions or just predictions, but I think he's going to lead the team in those third-down conversions I was mentioning earlier. I think he's going to have the most receiving third-down conversions. A lot of eyes on Allen Robinson. I think you can have uh, Jimmy Graham be that safety blanket for Mitchell Trubisky. He did that a lot with Trey Burton a couple of years ago. I wouldn't expect it to be much different with a Jimmy Graham. He's going to get a touchdown. It's going to happen in the red zone. He's really good at uh, doing that. And like we talked about, very top of the show. Chuck it up. Let him make a play. Use that body. Box him out. He can do it better than most. And on top of that, he's just going to provide a spark. I think he's going to show, like, if he makes a big play, he's going to spike it. He's going to bring the juice, bring some energy. And I think for all those reasons, as much as the Jimmy Graham signing was, it didn't feel right at the time. We're warming up to it throughout the offseason, training camp. The Bears did a good job of making me feel like he's the answer at tight end this season. Cole commits the future, and I think he's going to have some decent uh, return on investment here as a rookie. But I'm going to give it to Jimmy Graham. I think all eyes will be elsewhere, and it'll be Jimmy Graham's time to make sure people don't forget that he can still play in this league. And there's a reason why the Bears were so adamant that he was their tight end that they wanted to pursue, and they're happy that he's here in Chicago. So for me... My MVB, I'm going to go ahead and get it, Jimmy Graham. All right, Nick, time for what everyone's been waiting for, and that's who the heck is going to win this game? You guys have been talking about it for about an hour and a half. Who do you think's going to win? Every year we always pick the games beforehand, but, Nick, it's going to be a little bit more imperative that we choose correctly this year because we're going to put some stakes on the table, uh, medium rare, I don't know how you like your steak, but for, uh, yeah, I figured it's such. But do you want to let people know what we kind of settled on when we're debating how we wanted to go through this uh, with our bet? I think it's fun, and I hope I don't lose. It's it's fun, and it's also terrifying, to be completely honest, now that we're thinking about it. So, yeah, we wanted to put a little bit more weight on these game predictions. So, like, obviously we could talk about this our team, but if we know the matchup's not right, we will pick against them. But, yeah, so what we're going to do, whoever has the worst record between us two, that person will have to go to Soldier Field, but 
it, it's going to be what middle of January, mm-hmm. most likely. If so, cold. Go to Soldier Field, and you have to wear and represent every other team in the NFC North but the Bears. So it has to. You have to have a Vikings something, a Packers something, a Detroit Lions something, and you have to take. And it's going to be a photo shoot essentially in the cold, wearing all the other NFC North teams' gear, and. Now that I, I talk about this, this is just awful. Like, I I cannot lose this, Will. I just cannot. So that's what's going to happen, but that's going to be the consequences for the loser. Does any, does a winner get anything, just satisfaction that they didn't lose? I mean, uh, it's almost like Impractical Jokers when you get to punish your friend, and that is the victory. But True, yeah. I mean, that's that would be pretty pretty nice for me, and I can wear my Bears hat, and we can laugh at you, and... Hopefully by then, you said mid-January. I was still thinking like, you know, early February would make a lot of sense for me. But once that oh, one, one week at a time, right? Yeah, one week at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have some fun here. So since we know what the stakes are, do you want to go first? I feel I, I have a hunch where this week's going. But do you want to go first or you defer? No, you know what? I'll take it first. Uh, we talked it up. We talked about the matchup, what we like in this matchup you know, the strengths of each team. And I just think, even though it's a road game, uh, the Bears had a disappointing 2019 season. They started off right here in Detroit. And they win this game 24-13 Bears. I think, again, I just think that the Bears will be able to exploit the deficiencies a little bit better than the Lions can for, you know, the opposite there. So I think that the pass rush will get home its defense will come out and play, and Mitch Trubisky will continue to do what he's been doing against the Lions, just kind of dominating, being that line killer. So 24-13, Bears. All right, 24-13, Bears. Nick is going with the tried and true here to start off week one. I'm not going anywhere different. I got Bears 21, Lions 17. I think it will be uh, – I don't know if this is high – It's Higher scoring than maybe I thought. I mean, both offenses, I think, have potential to score. I think early on, defenses are going to have the advantage here uh, overall, except I think conditioning, like I said, may end up being a factor throughout the game. What has me concerned, though, is how flat the Bears' offenses have been in the opener. Uh, They had a really strong first half two years ago with Matt Nagy, and then it kind of fell apart. Last year against Green Bay, they couldn't really do anything anything so as much as we expect them to I don't know if they will and I hope that this concern is eased by this time Sunday night uh just because we've seen it in the past but yeah I'm gonna say you know the Bears offense under Nagy they averaged 20 points per game week one but again it was like 24 and it was like three so the average doesn't even make a lot of sense but for me 21 Bears YN 17 the quarterbacks just being okay in camp doesn't really scream that they're gonna light things up so for me it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a one-possession game. It could be within a touchdown, uh, but I, I don't think you did, right? What, did, what was your score again? 24-13. Ooh, so well, I guess the, the field goal doesn't matter because I thought about doing something like 24-21, and then with the kicker debacle, uh, I wasn't really uh, feeling that one too much, putting it out there. So I'm doing 21-17. Uh, let's go get this victory. So we put out the final score. But how confident are you that the Bears can actually win this game? I mean, we both picked them to win, so I feel like it has to be on the north side of five, but how confident are you? 
Yeah, it's definitely I'm feeling good about this matchup, but this is the Bears. This like you just mentioned how they've come out to start, you know, previous seasons, not very good offensively, but you just got to think that Matt Nagy this offense is going to get it because that's what's going to all come down to whether or not this offense can really exploit the matchups against this Lions this Lions defense. So, confidence meter, I'm going about a 7.8. I I like what the Bears can do. I really do. And look, maybe there's a defensive score as well. I like I just really really like this Bears defense against, you know, that right side of the offensive line for for the Lions there. So, I have 7.8, but, you know, division matchups are always tough, and we'll see how it goes, but I'm feeling fairly confident about this one. I'm sitting at it about a 7.25 is what I put here in my notes. Very precise, but seven and a quarter, I guess, if we weren't doing decimals. Uh, the Bears, they've had the Lions number lately. I think the Lions are due to make it a very competitive game, uh, but the Bears this offseason have been all business, and I think they're ready to start strong, get the sour taste out of their mouth that they felt at the end of last season. I know the Lions are improved. The question is how much, but I think the Bears are also an improved football team from a year ago. Uh, the Lions, we didn't really talk about it too much, but I think they'll show this offense some wrinkles uh, on their defense that we haven't seen in the past to see if the Bears can overcome it. Uh, but I doubt that the Lions approach this game exactly like they have done in the past just because if you're letting Mitchell Trubisky throw three touchdowns a game on you, you're going to have to try to change it up uh, just a little bit. But, yeah, like you, I think the better the Bears are the better team on both sides of the ball. Uh, just a matter of execution, and for me, not seeing anything all preseason, well, no preseason, but all training camp, it's interesting to just have the Band-Aid almost ripped off and unveil everything at one time. Like I'm going to be absorbing so much when we get to this game because it's the first time we've seen this team in action since last December. It's just, just nuts, but is there any other final thoughts that you had before we want to wrap up? You know, uh, I'm just excited that, well, there's football going on right now, Will, so Right after we get done with this, I'll definitely go watch football. But come Sunday, we'll be, you know, taking more notes and actually breaking down a Bears victory come Sunday afternoon. But yeah, I think that's these are the big takeaways. This is how the Bears are going to win. We laid it out there with our new format. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this, and we're still learning. We're still going to find ways to make it a better product if we think we we have other ways. But it was fun talking first game preview of the year and. Yeah, let, let's go, Will. Like, football is back, and I can't, cannot be more excited. Same, and I think the only botch I saw was we forgot to mention special teams in, like, a true segment. That's why I mentioned the kicker. I mean, that's all we had to say. We talked about it in the last episode enough. It's That's the biggest concern on the third phase. But, yeah, if you have any feedback, it is a different format compared to a year ago. I think, though, for us doing everything we did in an hour and a half, I thought we pretty much put a lot of information in there. I was a little fearful this could be, like, a two- hour plus show and I thought we did a good job of getting it all in getting straight to the business to the point having some fun along the way um, but making sure that we adhere to our goal of making you the most informed Bears fan on game day and hopefully when we get here to the game things work out exactly or close to how we're hoping for but yeah hope you enjoy this first episode of the season in terms of game previews a lot of fun to really dive into matchups again Nick I don't know about you but it felt good to kind of start scouting opponents getting into that groove because it becomes a grind. And I know by like week seven, eight, we're going to be feeling it. But right now I, I had, I was up to like three in the morning last night, just jamming on notes, getting ready because I was just that excited uh, for the game and really to preview it. And if you enjoyed the show, please again, take a moment to leave a review or rate our show on Apple podcast. We appreciate seeing those come in from our fellow bears fans. 
And the next time that you hear from Nick and myself will be as soon as that final whistle blows on Sunday afternoon, as it'll finally be time for our first 2020 postgame show. And if you want to watch the show live, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Facebook or Twitter. And from Nick, and this is something I told you at the top of the show uh, before we went live, from deep in my gut, Nick, I really hope the next time that I turn on this mic and we start a show, we're talking about a 1-0 Chicago Bears team. This is episode... 492. I've done almost 500 Chicago Bears podcasts, and I have never had the honor of talking about a 1-0 Chicago Bears football team. They have not won their season opener since 2013. It's about time to change that here in this new decade, right? Absolutely. Wow, that's a crazy statistic there. So yeah, let's hopefully that ends come Sunday. 1-0. I would love to say my 1-0 Bears starting off the season with a win. I've started every postgame show for every season prior with a loss and I'm ready to change it this Sunday and I'm expecting it to happen and hopefully they don't let me you know let me down and we have to be in the dumps for a little bit and we can start off the season uh, with a smile on our face as we embark on this 2020 journey but all we can do Nick is hope wait watch and then we'll react and that's when we'll be on here next so we'll be uh, here to talk about it as soon as it's all finished so uh, until then Find a way to occupy yourself between now and kickoff. I know I need to keep myself busy or else I'm just going to be driving myself nuts. Just checking my watch, checking the date, finding out what time it is. Get yourself some good food ready to eat uh, throughout this game as well. But again, next game, uh, next show is a post game, and I'm very excited for that. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.